Welcome everyone to today's devotion. We're in John chapter 9, which is one of my favorite stories in all the Bible, certainly in John's Gospel. And what it does, again, is to bring a lot of these themes back together. So remember that if chapter 6 is a type of climax, and chapter 11 is a type of climax leading to the ultimate climax, then a lot of the themes we've been seeing in chapter 7 and 8 will show up here. And the main theme we've seen in chapter 7 and 8 is that of rejection. So while the main theme of Logos, Light, Life, Lamb are, are here, uh, that, that underlying theme of rejection certainly shows up here. Um, so this is a story of the man born blind. We, we find that out there in verse 1. Uh, there was a man born blind. His disciples asked, Who sinned, this man or his parents? Uh, resulting in him being born blind. This reveals a, a religious mindset that says that good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people. If something bad happened to you, it's because you're a bad person. If something good happened to you, it's because you're a good person. Now, I think if you're alive for 10 or 12 minutes tops, um, you should recognize that this is not a universal truth. Good things do happen to good people. Bad things do happen to bad people. But also the inverse happen. Sometimes the righteous suffer and the wicked prosper. Sometimes that happens. And you read the Bible, and, and the Bible wrestles with this. Uh, Ecclesiastes does. Habakkuk does. The whole book of Job is about that, where all of Job's friends um, come down upon him and say, the reason you're suffering is because you have some secret sin you're unwilling to confess. And Job says, no, 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 no. This is not, not, not the case at, at all. Well, that's the assumption here. And notice Jesus' answer is that it isn't that this man is guilty of, of some sin leading to his suffering or that his parents did something that led to his suffering. But rather, this man was born blind because God wanted him to be born blind. And, and the reason Jesus gives is, for this very moment, this adult man has been blind his entire life, has never seen light, so that you may witness the works of God. So you remember that in the gospel so far, when we use the theme of light, which starts in chapter 1, goes all the way to the very end, uh, John is creative with how he does that. Sometimes we just see references to light. Sometimes we see emphasis on darkness and day. Remember Nicodemus or Jesus walking on water? Here, and as we saw in, in chapter 8, Jesus uses the language of blindness to describe darkness. After all, if you are blind, you, you cannot see light. Right? And so this man is in the dark. That's all he sees. So figuratively, his blindness is a picture of, of sin. It's a picture of, of walking in darkness, uh, not believing in, in Christ. Um, and this leads Jesus to say, verse 5, just so that you know I'm not making up this, this connection. Verse 5, as long as I am in the world, the world is dark, remember, I am the light of the world. This is why the walking on water is so important in John's gospel. Here the disciples are in the world apart from Christ, and they are in a stormy, dark world. But when they see Jesus, they see the light. Jesus is the light of the world. Well, um, Jesus then goes, um, and uh, starting in verse 6, and he heals the man. He spits on the ground, takes the mud, uh, puts it on, tells him to, to wash in the pool of Siloam. I think we spend too much time on why Jesus does it like this. He just does it like this because that's the way Jesus did it. I'm not sure we need to 
overcomplicate it. And he, in the text says, he came back seeing. And and one of the reasons I like this this story is because it's got a lot of humor in it. It's got a lot of sarcasm in it. Uh, this formerly blind man is a very sarcastic character, and I just love that. Um, and so verses 8 through 12 is this humorous scene that that makes the story unnecessary longer. And And what John is trying to show is that no one can explain why he can see. So, so everyone knows him as the blind man. So what you get in verse 8 through 12 is all of his neighbors saying, Hey, that looks like old man John's boy. Hey, hey, are you old man John's boy? Yeah, I'm old man John boy. I can't believe that's old man John boy. Old man John boy can't see. Why is old man John boy seeing? Right? It's, it's, it's this bizarre little little scene that's, that's somewhat humorous. Um, and, then they, and then they say, well, how is it that you can see? And he says, a man named Jesus did it. And then in verse uh, 12, they said to him, where is he? He said, well, I don't know. Now, why wouldn't the man born blind, healed by Jesus, know where Jesus is? The reason is because he was blind when he met Jesus. Right? So, so the man is going to have, to have to go through rejection in that he believes in Jesus, though he's never seen him. And in believing, he has light. But he's never seen Jesus. And, and, and through that faith comes rejection. And then it is later we see that he actually sees Jesus. He sees the light, but he already believed in the light, as his rejection demonstrates. So verse 13, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been, been blind. Don't you just love that language? And the reason he was brought before the Sadducees, or the Pharisees, is, you guessed it, it was done on the Sabbath. <sighs> Here we go again, right? Um, and whenever we go through Mark's gospel uh, in a few months, um, we're going to have the same conversation over and over again. Um, well, uh, what they say to the blind man is that it is impossible for this Jesus to have healed him, healed him because they know Jesus is a sinner. How do they know he is a sinner? Verse 16, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? Uh, because he said earlier in verse 16, he does these things on the Sabbath. Remember, good things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. Bad people can't do good things. Good people can't do bad things. If you do bad things because you're a bad person. If you do good things because you're a good person. Right? And and so so they're struggling with how can Jesus, who we perceive to be bad because he did something good on the Sabbath, to, to do a miraculous sign. Notice that in the story the emphasis is not on if the man was born blind and healed, but how is it possible that the man born blind was was healed? Well, this goes back and forth. Um, they bring in his parents. His parents say, look, all we can say is he was born blind. How he came to be healed, uh, we can't explain to you. He's old enough. He can, he can uh, speak for himself, right? Uh, because they don't want to be rejected by the Pharisees. Rejection has been a major theme since, really since chapter 6 when everyone rejected Jesus. Uh, but really begins to be developed in chapter 7 and 8, now into chapter 9. Um, and so they pressure the man. Give God the glory, says verse 24. We know this man's a sinner. And I love the blind man's response, starting in verse 25. Whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I knew know, that though I was blind, now I see. He said, look, here's, here's the reality. I am not who I once was. I was blind, now I see. This is, of course, uh, likely where John Newton gets the famous line in Amazing Grace. I once was blind, but now I see. Take it right here in John chapter 9. 
Verse 26, they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open his, your eyes? He answered them, I've already told you, and you would not listen. Now notice, notice what John just did there. Through the narrative, the blind man sees and hears everything that Jesus told him to do, he did. And he's repeated everything Jesus told him. But those who see are deaf. You see, so 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 what we're gonna where we're gonna end up with this is that the blind man sees even in his blindness because he went and did as he was told. Right? Those who see physically are blind spiritually. And we see this clear hint here in that they will not listen, and they won't listen because they are deaf. So here's the man formerly blind calling out their own spiritual handicap. I've already told you what happened. You wouldn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? And I love this. Do you also want to become his disciples? Now notice, in asking that question, is not only snarky, and I'll, I'm here for it all day long. I just love it. It is a just a, a little poke in the gut there. I just love it. But what he's, asked, what he's demonstrating is, I, the one formerly blind, I'm now his disciple. I believed, I obeyed, and I followed. Salvation is, is not more complicated than going from blindness to seeing. That when you come to the light of the world, he illuminates the way for you to follow. And this has been the theme of John. So, um, they say in verse 28, they revile him, they're not very happy. You are his disciple. We are disciples of Moses. Now, we've, we've seen this theme starting to develop. Going back to chapter 5, Jesus would say, if you believed Moses, if you really were Moses' disciples, you would believe me. But how can you believe me when you reject what that Moses wrote about me? So you reject Moses. So though they're claiming to be disciples of Moses, they're failing to see what this man sees that Jesus is the prophet of whom Moses spoke of. And so we see, we've seen Moses, I believe, mentioned in every chapter, starting in chapter 5 all the way to the present one. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as far as this man, we didn't even know where he comes from. Now again, that comes up in chapter 8. Remember, they say, well, um, you were born of sexual immorality. We don't know where you're from, right? Or we do know where you're from. Jesus says, you don't know where I'm really from, right? And um, verse 30, the man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from. But he opened my eyes. Do you see what he just did there? If you can't locate his hometown, and he did the impossible, only God can do the impossible, then I think you just confess exactly where he is from. It's amazing testimony, isn't it? It's done through the means of uh, snarkiness. So that's why I love it. He's, he's being somewhat sarcastic with him. <laughs> what amazing thing. The doctors of theology can't find him on Google Maps, but he opened my eyes. Maybe the satellites can't reach where he's really from. It's amazing testimony he gives. Well, he goes on, Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man, by the way, that is true. I, I'm unaware of any in the Old Testament of blind people um, being able to see. So we have lepers being healed. We have dead people being raised. Uh, we have prophets being swallowed and vomited by fish. Um, but we, 
We don't have blind men seeing in the Old Testament. And he understands this is a unique miracle, one that God has not done in the history of humanity, yet he opened my eyes. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? There you see their theological ignorance, which is why the, the, the prologue of the story is what it is. The disciples of Jesus know the truth because they believe and follow him. This man knows the truth because he believes and follows. And so they cast him out of the synagogue. Now, what we have here is a contrast between this man and his parents. His parents were afraid to be cast out of the synagogue, so they, they, they passed the buck over to him. This man, his faith leads to rejection. And so, but that's okay, because having Jesus is sufficient for him. Why? Because now he can see. And he can see that he doesn't need the synagogue. He can see he doesn't need the Pharisees. Why? Because he can see that he has Jesus. In fact, what happens, verse 35 to the end of the chapter, is he meets Jesus face to face with renewed eyes. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Notice Jesus seeking him out. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Notice the, the, the important thing here that Jesus is not, do you see the Son of Man? Do you believe the Son of Man? Because believing is seeing. Not seeing is believing. The man believed and saw. At the beginning, when he was blind, now that he sees, he believes in order to see. And it is vitally important. We have flipped that in our, in our culture, of course, because we are blind, we are deaf, and we are in darkness. Verse 36, he answered, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You've seen him. Now notice, you have seen him. No, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. He is seeing him for the first time. But Jesus understands what's really going on here. The man saw Jesus when he was blind, which is why he can see now. The Pharisees do not see Jesus as the light of the world, and that's why they don't know where he's from. And they can't hear the testimony of who he really is. You've seen him, it is he who is speaking to you. He said, notice, speaking to, so he's, he can hear. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him, the proper response of faith. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. You see there, again, the seen are blind, the blind see. Some of the Pharisees, who remember are blind, near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to him, If you are blind, you'd have no guilt. Now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. Ah, you see what Jesus just did. He took their theology and he turned it against them. Their theology is, you're blind because you're in sin. Jesus says, you are blind because you are in sin. So in disagreeing with the broader theology, he agrees with it in the end. Not because bad things happen to bad people, good, good things happen to good people, but because he takes the theme of the light of the world. He says, you know what? You don't see because you're in sin. Sin blinds us from the truth. And we go from wanting to be illuminated to fearing to be exposed. And so we reject Jesus by rejecting his followers. And this explains the world we're in. And I believe chapter 10 is all about Jesus being a lot of the world. I wonder why. Hope to see you guys here tomorrow.